0: and powerful way, and man, we'd love to invite you to come experience it with us uh, next Sunday. We'll be right here next Sunday as well, and man, this is an exciting day in the house because this is Baptism Sunday, where we have several uh, people getting baptized right after service, so we're going to celebrate with them today. So man, we have a lot going on today that we're excited about, and we're glad that you're tuning in with us. Man, has everybody had a great week so far? Everybody had a great week so far? That is awesome. That's awesome to hear. It's always good to have a great week because, you know, usually you don't want to tell people you had a bad week. You say, Did you have a bad? No, nah, it wasn't that good. I don't know. It really wasn't that good. But when you had a great week, boy, you want to tell everybody about how great your week was, and I pray that everybody had a great week. And, uh, man, this is the third week of our series, It Could Happen to You. Y'all look at your neighbor and say, it could It could happen to you. Last week, we talked about the truth. The truth of the word of God, and man, we had a great, great time talking about the truth in the word of God and how the enemy wants to deceive you and keep you delusional from the truth of the word of God. He wants to keep you in a place of delusion where you're you're stuck in the truth, from the truth, and you push further and further away from the truth of the word of God, and that's the plot of the enemy. He knows that he can't change the truth. He can only try to deceive you from the truth. And we're going to go a little bit deeper in here today on this next topic. And again, if you're joining with us online or if you're in the audience with us, all of our notes are on our app. You can download our app. You can follow along. Uh, Just go to the Apple Store or Google Play Store and uh, just search for New Life Church of Mobile. You can see our app there uh, with our logo, and you'll be able to follow along. You can even add notes as well, and there are other events that... You could take place and it's a great tool. You can also go back and listen to messages on the app. So that's a great app to have and to follow up with everything that's going on in the church. Just download the app. All the things are there. But this week, this is week three. Say week three. Week three. It, can happen to you. it can happen to you. Look at your neighbors one more time and say it can, to you. it can happen to you. It can happen to you. It can happen to you. And this week, we're going a little bit deeper. Last week we talked about the truth. This week, we're going to talk about something that at some point of your life, probably multiple times in your life, you're going to run into this thing that we call identity crisis. Identity crisis. The title of today's message is identity crisis, meaning that this, at some point of your life, you're going to question who you are. You're going to struggle with your identity and who you are and what you're supposed to be. And the enemy loves to play on your identity because he knows that if he can play on your identity, guess what? He can control your life because you'll never live up to or you'll never do anything that God has accomplished you to do because you're always trying to figure out who am I? What am I supposed to do? What's going on in my life? Why? Why aren't things going away? And you always struggle with your identity. But the thing that I love about identity and anything that God creates, you always have to go back to God's original intent. And anything that the creator creates, you want to know what the, what the purpose of what he created for, go back to the original. Always go back to the original. So if you find your place where you, yourself in a place where you, like you feel like, man, I'm struggling with my identity. you watch watching online, you feel like, man, I'm just trying to figure this thing out. I'm trying to figure out who I am. What am I supposed to be? Always go back to God's original design to find out what was God's original intent, because there you will find where your purpose is and who you're supposed to be in God's original intent. So we're going to start there. Before we do that, let's just open up in a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this time that we have this morning. We thank you that you, as the word of God has opened up, that you would open up our hearts to find our true identity in you, that you would speak to us clearly today. I bind hindrances and distractions of the enemy, and I pray that the word will fall on good ground this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So you always go back to God's original intent. So when it comes to our identity, you want to know who you are? Go back to God's original design for humanity. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. And that's with anything. You want to know what was God's? original plan for the earth go back to the beginning go always go back to the original of what God created to find out his purpose and his intent for so in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 we're going to read you struggling with your identity this is going to help you out then God said let us make human beings in our image to be like us they will reign over the fish in the sea the birds in the sky the livestock all the wild animals on the earth and the wild animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So in these two, these three verses that we just read, we see God's original intent for humanity. He's, we see who your identity in Christ is supposed to be. There's three things that stood out to me in this passage about God's original design for every person that walks this earth. There's three things that stood out to me. The first thing in verse 26 is this. It says, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. That's the first thing. God has called you to be like him. When it comes to your identity, who am I supposed to be? You're supposed to be like God. God has called you to be like him. You say, so what does that mean? That means you have to learn his nature. That means you have to learn his ways. That means you have to get into relationship with him so you can become more and more like him because he originally created you to be just like him. That was his original design for your life, for all of humanity, for your identity. Who am I supposed to be? Be like God. You say, oh, I'm supposed to be like myself. No, don't be like yourself. Be like God. (laughs) Because the more you like yourself, the more you're getting away from God because you're getting in your flesh. Because we're born into a sin world. But God says his original design was for us to be like him. So if you're struggling with your identity, who am I supposed to be? Be like God. That means that there's going to always be a journey in your life where you have to say, am I pursuing to be more like God? And if I'm not pursuing to be more like God, then guess what? You're always struggling in your identity because God's original design was for you to be like him. You watching online? God's original design was for you to be like him. That's the first thing that stood out. Our identity should solely be found in him and his ways. Say amen? amen. What's the second thing that stood out to me? In verse 27, it says, he created them male and female. Male and female. God didn't make a mistake about your gender. It says He created them male and female. And boy, does the, uh, the enemy do a great job on this generation of playing with people about their identity and their gender. It says that He created them male and female. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing else. Male and female. And that is clear identity that God has spoken to us to say who you're supposed to be. So don't say God made No, God didn't make a mistake. He says he created that male and female. So we can take identity in the fact that who did God create me? Did he create me to be a male? Then I'm a male. Did he create me to be a female? Then I'm a female. And your identity is right there. But the enemy, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, he loves to play on your identity. Because if he can get you away from God's original intent, guess what? You'll struggle your whole life with who you are. What am I supposed to be? How Did did God make a mistake? But why do I feel like this? He created them male and female. He did not make a mistake about your gender. You're exactly who you're supposed to be. Amen? Amen. Third thing that stood out in verse 28, it says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, all the animals that scurry along the ground. What is this? Be fruitful and multiply. That's a clear directive. That's the plan. Be fruitful and multiply. Well, how do you do that? Seems like you got to come together and do some fruitful, be fruitful and multiply, right? right? To me, that speaks of marriage. That speaks of the union of when a male and a female come together, because you can only fruitful and multiply when you have two of the opposite sex. Yeah. So God says, be fruitful and multiply. That is a clear indication of your identity. What am I supposed to do? Be fruitful and multiply. And do what? Fill the earth. So that you can fill the earth with other human beings that go out in God's image to tell others about him. To become more like him. So God has created all of us to be fruitful and multiply. To go out and spread the word so that anyone that we create and anyone that we come in contact with is to create more people to be more like God in his image. Be fruitful and multiply. A clear directive. But guess what the enemy does? You can't do that. You you can't be fruitful and multiply. You you don't have it. You don't have what it takes. You don't know enough. And then you get, well, what am I supposed to do? How can I be? I don't even have a spouse. I don't. There's no one. And you get called caught up in and in all these things. And you're well, nobody's gonna love me. And you can come up with all these excuses. And guess what? Now you got identity issues, and now you can't f- fulfill the directive, be fruitful and multiply, because you're so stuck on, who am I? That are questioning it, identity crisis. Who am I? Who am I supposed to be? But he's given us three things that we're supposed to do. He's called us to be like him. He's created us male and female, and he's called us to be fruitful and multiply. And the enemy knows this one thing. He can never create anything new. He can only pervert what God has already created. The only thing the enemy can do is pervert and twist what God has already created. So what he does is he plays on that and tries to get you to say, well, this is what God says, but let's just twist it a little bit to make it suit your needs. Let's just just twist it a little bit so it can help you make life a little bit easier. But what he does is he gets you in a place of confusion and delusion with your identity that you struggle so much that you get further and further away from God's original design and truth that you find your place in such darkness that you don't know what side is up or down. Because why? Because he's pushing you further and further, further away from the truth because he's deceiving you in your identity. He knows that, hey, I can't, I can't change God's original design, but I sure can pervert it. I sure can make him confused in it. I, can, I sure can bring some, little, some, some situations and some circumstances that happen in their life that can cause them to question, did God make a mistake when he created me? God, why did you allow this to happen to me? And we've all experienced bad things that happen to us in our life, and they're not all things that God allowed. It's the sin factor of this world, but the enemy will play on that to mess with your identity, to cause you to have an identity crisis for the rest of your life for you to struggle with. Who are you? But I want to make it very clear today. God did not make a mistake with you. You are loved by God. He loves you. He honors you. He respects you. He wants to care for you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to do all the things that you feel like he should do. God wants to do those things. But the enemy is a master at deceiving you to make you feel like God doesn't care. So I want to read two verses today to encourage you. These are God's thoughts towards us. So when you read this, I want you to read this as God is speaking directly to you, all right? This is God speaking to you. In Psalms chapter one, Psalms chapter 139, verse 13, it says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. For God to write this about you, that has to say that he has a purpose and a plan for your life. For God to say such things like this, it means that he has great interest in your life and who you are and who you're supposed to be. Because if you didn't, why would he write that? He is so intimately in love with you. All he's doing is longer for you to just say, just come be with me. Find your identity in me. Don't, don't find it in anything else. Just be made in my image and just find security in the love that I have for you. But because we push God away so much, we struggle with our identity. And these words that we say, that, that's not real. I've never, what you just read, I've never experienced that from God in my life. It's because the enemy has played with your identity to make you feel like you're not worthy. Identity crisis He plays with your identity to make you feel like you're not worthy. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for a good and not for disaster to give you a hope and a future, to give you a future and a hope. God has a future and a hope for you. Say God has a future and a hope for me, for you. Don't let the enemy deceive you to make you realize that, to think that God doesn't have a future and a hope for you because he does. You watching online? God has a future and a hope for you, and it's for good and it's not for disaster. But the enemy will try to deceive you to make you feel like your whole life is nothing but a mess. See, you can't get anything right. You can, every time you try to put one step forward, you take three steps back, and you're still trying to figure out who you are. That's what he does. He plays with your identity, and you're struggling. Oh, I don't know what to do. I try to get it together. I mean, I really try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I just can't figure this thing out. Clearly, God made no mistakes when he created you. His thoughts towards you are great, and you better believe that because his thoughts for you are so great that the enemy knows that, and he's going to do everything that he can to deceive you, to make you feel like God's thoughts towards you are not great. What does that come in? Your identity. Because he knows if he could get you caught up in your identity, in your insecurities, guess what? I got you. He plays with our identity through our insecurities. I'm short. I wish I was tall. Why, Why God make me, why can't I have long hair? I got this short hair. I have long hair. Why can't I have short hair? My hair's curly. Why can't it be straight? I'm tall. I wish I was short. I can't speak well. And you play on all your insecurities. The enemy plays on those things. And your whole life, you're always wishing, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. That was a song back in the day. (laughs) Some of y'all get it. But he plays on your insecurities all the time. Oh, I wish I was a little bit thinner. I wish I had a little more weight. I wish I, I wish, I wish, and it's, it's a never-ending list. It's a million things we could list on that the enemy can play on your insecurities, but he uses those to keep you in a place where you're struggling with your identity so you never ask God, God, what do you want me to do? It's always, how do I make myself feel better? How do I feel better about my appearance so I feel good about my identity? But you never ask God, God, what do you want me to do? It's always about, oh, I just wish I was, I wish this changed about me. I wish... I wish I didn't talk like this. I wish I was a little bit smarter. I wish I grew up over here. And why did I have to, to go over? I don't know why I went to that school. Why did my parents send me to this school? And why do I have this job? And why do I? Do? And you, there's a million things you could come up that the enemy will play with your insecurities about. And I look at Moses. Moses, when God said Moses, I want to use you to lead my people out of Egypt. What's the first thing Moses said? I stutter. I can't talk. Why you want to use me? Do you know my brother Aaron? You know Aaron? He could talk. I can't talk. I, I I can't talk at all, God. He immediately went to his identity and his insecurities. As soon as God said, "I want," what do you do when God says, "I want"? Whoa, God, me? No, I don't know about me. <laughs> you know, God, I, I I can't speak well. I don't know all the scriptures. I mean. I hadn't been saved that long. And you come up with all of your insecurities because that's where you find your identity in, your insecurities. Some people find their identity in their insecurities, and they live their whole life in that. Well, you know, I'm just not that good looking. I'm just not that smart, so I just do what I can. And No, no, no. It's because you're living in your insecurities. But the funny thing about Moses is this, is that when he started being used by God, we never hear him make another excuse about his stuttering again. Do you, do you ever recall Moses saying, I stutter after he started being used by God? No. Why? Because he realized my insecurities don't matter. It's just the attack of the enemy to try to keep me from fulfilling the things that God has called me to do. So he will always try to use your insecurities to keep you from what God has called you to do. And he'll always try to keep you in that place where you're stuck on your insecurities. And you say, God, I can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. And it's a never-ending list. He'll play on your insecurities. Don't allow him to play on your insecurities because what it is is, remember, we talked about delusion. Delusion is believing something that is false that is true. And he'll keep you in a state of delusion where you fixate so much on your insecurities that you'll never do anything for God and you'll always be frustrated in your relationship with God because you're always fixated on your insecurities. Don't let the enemy lie to you and deceive you in your insecurities where you're always struggling in your identity. We got to get free from that. Amen. Amen. Don't live your life feeling like, oh, if I could just do this. But if he can't get you caught up in your identity and your insecurities, he'll try to get you caught up in your identity in things. He'll try to get you to find identity in your work. Where, hey, this is what I do for I'm a lawyer. I'm an attorney. I'm a doctor. I'm a supervisor at the plant downtown. And He'll try to get you so caught up, and you find your identity solely in your work. You identify in what you do. What you do is not who you are. But so many people find their identity in what they do. You ask them, so who are you? Oh, I'm a plumber. No, I said, who are you? I didn't say what you do. I said, who are you? But you identify in what you do in your work. That's what the enemy would try to do. If he can't get you in your securities, he'll try to get you to find your identity in your work. Identify in what you do. Or your possessions. You should come over to my house and see my boat. It's a grand yacht. The grandest of them all in the neighborhood. Come look at my new backyard patio. I have the latest technology of grill equipment. And it's it's all about your possessions. It's about everything. Oh, come look at my new Mercedes Benz that I just purchased. Come look at my new diamond rings. And it's all about what you have. And he'll try to, find, try to keep you in a place where your identity is solely in what you have, in your possessions. And so many people are trapped in their identity in their possessions. Well, they can't do anything for God because they're so worried about what they have. I got to get more. I don't have enough. This car is not good enough. I got to get a new car. My neighbor got a new car. I got to get a new car. Or they try to hit enemy or try to get you to find your identity in titles. This is who I am. That's so funny, Tamara used to work for this um, apartment complex, and the property manager, every time she came out, she had to make it a point to say, hello, property manager. No matter who Tamara was talking to or who the other girl's working at, she wanted to make a point that you knew that she was the property manager. I'm I'm the property manager. Yes, that's me. And she was so caught up in that title, she wanted you to know who she was. But the enemy would try to get you in that too, in titles. This is who I am. And you identify with the title more than you identify with what God, has want you to do, what, you, what God wants you to do or what he's called you to do. That you just solely identify with that title. Oh, I'm just, if it was to be like me, I'd say, I'm just a pastor. Okay, so are you not a husband? No, I'm a pastor. I, I let the Lord deal with my family. <laughs> what kind of foolishness is that? But I can't identify with the title I have to say, you know what, that may be a function of the title of who I am, but my identity is not found in my title. Accomplishments. He'll try to get you to find your identity in your accomplishments. You ever meet people that as soon as you you talk to them, they want to tell you everything they've done. Oh, guess what I've accomplished. And there's nothing wrong with saying your accomplishments. Don't get me wrong. But when it's every time we talk. And it's all you want to talk about is your accomplishments. That means that you found your identity in your accomplishments, and that and that's what that brings you security. That bring that that find that you find your identity in your accomplishments or success. I'm, I'm successful. I have started my business from scratch and I did it on a. I pulled up the straps on my boots and I did it all myself. Look how grand this empire is that I've built. And you. It's all about your success. Some people find their identity in their children. They get lost in their children. Everything is solely about the children. Completely forgot who they are. Don't know who they are because everything is 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 all about the kids. Little Johnny's got little league. Got to go to little league. Becky, she's got piano. Got to go to piano. And everything is all about the kids. You make life all about the kids and your identity gets swallowed up in that and you forget who you are and who God called you to be because everything is about and I said neglect your kids no I'm not saying that but it can't be your identity solely found in that or habits you get your, I, I can't get free from this and you identify with your habits oh I can't I just this is just who I am you just don't understand I just need it I, I just gotta have it and you get your identity gets found up in, in your habits And this is a big one. Your identity gets found up or the enemy tries to use you to find your identity in your gender or sexuality. What does this mean? It means that the enemy is at war with this generation against their gender and sexuality. He knows that if I can get them to go against God's original creation, I can destroy their lives. Because they will never, ever get to a place where they even think about accomplishing what God wants to do with them if I could destroy them and get them confused in their gender and their sexuality because they'll get so caught up and so confused in that and trying to find their identity in that that they'll run to that and they'll always I don't know who I am if you have to try to prove who you are that's not who you are you don't have to prove to me well I'm a boy but I identify as a girl I'm a girl but I identify as a boy if you have to run around and try to prove that to me that's not who you are That's that's not who you are and I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be try, trying to be mean or the world will try to say that's hateful. That's not hateful. What it is is the enemy is deceiving people to make you think that that is okay and that it's normal. But what it's really doing is going against the creation of what God origi- originally intended. Yeah. We just read what God originally intended, but the enemy is a deceiver and he's a liar and he will make you think that anything that contradicts what the world say is, is correct and what the world say is normal is, is hate. That's not hate. We just read what the word of God says. And we know that there are people that struggle with their identity in this area, and it's a real thing. But we believe in what God instituted in the marriage between a man and a woman. That God caused us to be fruitful and to multiply. And the only way that can happen is between a man and a woman in marriage. But the enemy has lied to this generation to make them feel like you can be whoever you want to be. How can an eight year old boy decide, I want to be a girl? He hadn't even fully developed yet, but he, oh, I, 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 don't want, I don't want to be a girl anymore. I want to be a boy. I identify as a boy. That sounds like the deception of the enemy. It sounds like the enemy coming in younger and younger because he knows if he can sweep away a generation that's confused in who they are, they'll never accomplish what God has, to, has for them to do, and we got to wait for another generation to come back around to say that we're going to get it right. But I got news for you. The devil is a liar. And he will not have this generation, and he will not have them confused about who they're supposed to be in their identity, especially in this area, because it's a wicked thing that draws you further and further away into darkness. And where there is darkness, there is no peace. And where there is no peace, there is no truth. And the whole soul plot of the enemy in this area of gender and sexuality is to get you so further away from the truth that you never even think about God because you're so sold up and uh, wrapped up in who am I supposed to be? This is who I feel like I'm supposed to be. Well, and then some people say, well, well, why did God give me these desires? He didn't give you those desires. The enemy has lied to you and deceived you to make you think that God gave you those desires, but that's not true. We read what God gave you. He wants you to be made in his image. But the enemy uses our life experiences against us to say, see, if, see because this happened to you, now you're supposed to be like this. And now you're confused. And when our innocence happens at a young age, when your innocence is taken away at a young age, it confuses you. And the enemy plays on that. And we know that's not right, but he's not a fair, he don't play fair. And that's why he does it at such a young age, and he's trying to confuse this generation, because he's not, if I can get him in this one area... They'll never look to God to see what God has has called them to do. They'll always be struggling the rest of their life trying to figure out, who am I supposed to be? Struggling with their identity crisis. That's that's the plot of the enemy. I want to read this verse in Romans chapter 1, verse 24. This is the word of God. We're talking about the truth of the word of God this morning in our identity. We want to bring some clarity. We want to bring some healing, some understanding. We want to bring some truth. Amen. Romans chapter 1, verse 24, it says, So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. The enemy, he's trying to deceive you. He's lying to you to make you feel like all the things that you've experienced that cause you to question your identity, that that is a lie, that that is the truth, that is a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Verse 28. Since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things they should never be done. God is not giving you these desires. It's the enemy. He's trying to pull you further and further away from the truth of the word of God that you could be doing the same things that we're reading about right now. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate. Envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. Doesn't that sound like this generation when you try to come against them? You try to come against that, that spirit, boy, they, they boastful, they're proud, and they're not backing down. They're militant about, this is who I'm called to be. No, that's because God has abandoned you to your own evil desires, and now you think that you're living the truth when you're really not. You're living a lie. They refuse to understand, they break their promises, they're heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. They encourage others to do them too. The enemy is out to destroy, y'all. He doesn't play fair. He uses all the bad things that happen to us against us. To try to get you stuck in a place where you question God in everything that you do. I know homosexuality and gender is a big topic, but it's a sin just like any other sin. But the thing about this one is it's a heart issue. Because it infiltrates the heart, and it causes the heart to go further and further away from God and away from the truth and his original design. And it gets, and it's an open door to all types of perversion, the things that we just read. You say, well, how can a, a person that was born in a, in a, in a, in a, with both parents and everything, is because experiences happen and the doors open in their lives that they experience things, that causes them to get further and further away from God because of open doors? Yeah. And the enemy plays on those things. He wants to use those open doors to cause us to get further and further away because he plays on our vulnerabilities. And that's where I want to land for the rest of our time together. The enemy, all I'm saying, I'm setting it up for this, the enemy plays on your vulnerabilities. Your identity, you're vulnerable to that because that's who you are. That's how you identify. And all of us in some area are vulnerable. And the enemy doesn't play fair in your vulnerabilities. So there's three ways that the enemy plays on your vulnerability against your identity. I'm going to give you those three things. You can write these down. The first way the enemy plays on your vulnerability against your identity is in seasons. Seasons. You say, well, what does that mean? I'm going to explain to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under the sun. Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. Verse 22. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Meaning this, from the moment that you're born to the day that you die, there are going to be hundreds of seasons of life. Seasons will constantly change. They will never be the same. There will be seasons where you're going to grade school. That's the season. You go to college. That's the season. In your singleness, that's the season. When you graduate college, that's a season. You start a new job, that's a new season. You move to a new state, that's a new season. You get married, you have kids, you you go you widowed or whatever the case may be. There's all these different seasons of life that are constantly changing. And guess what? The enemy plays on our vulnerability in seasons because he knows that if I could get them caught up in a season and play on their vulnerabilities while things are changing, guess what? I could get them in their identity and they're never fulfilled what God wants them to do because they're caught up in seasons. And seasons, seasons take people out. They're doing good in one season, the season changes. Now I don't know who I am. I thought I had it all together, I thought I had it all figured out. Everything was going so well, and then something just changed. It was the season. But what changes is the enemy playing on your vulnerability in the season. One of our, part of our mission statement is developed in relationships. And the thing that I've realized in my life is this. When seasons change, I need to be in relationships with people that are consistent and continually growing in their relationship with God. Because when seasons change in my life, I need to know that I'm surrounded by people that if I get off, they can help me get back on course. But if you're not connected with people that are consistent and growing in their relationship with God, when seasons change, you will never know what to do or who to run to. And you always find yourself, what am I supposed to do? Because you don't have you hadn't developed yourself in relationship with other believers. But when you develop with other believers, when seasons change, they can say, hey, I've noticed something's been different about you. What's going on? And they can talk to you and help you walk back to get back on course because you're walking through a difficult season. But if you never connect yourself with people like that, then guess what? When seasons change, you will always feel alone. And the enemy will always play on your vulnerabilities. Oh, you don't, nobody cares about you. See, nobody cares about you. There's there's no one in your life that you can talk to. See, you can't trust people because they, they're they there for you one day, then they go on the next. And he plays on your vulnerabilities when seasons change. And now you've caught up in the place where you're like, well, what a who am I? Why doesn't anybody care about me? You have to develop in relationships with others. See, When seasons change, it's important that you know that your identity is found in Christ and not the season. Our identity is always found in Christ and not the season. Seasons will always change. They will always change. But what happens, the enemy plays on your vulnerabilities and says, you have to stay in this season, even though the season has changed. So that's why some people can stay in the glory days and they never change. They never grow because they're stuck in a season that has already passed. But but seasons can become roadblocks. Oh, I remember in 88, God used to move like this and he used to move in the ch- Well, I'm great what God did back then. But what is he doing now? But you're stuck in past seasons and you can't move forward because seasons have caught you. And now you're vulnerable because you're like, oh, this was a good season. I can't let go of that season. But that season has changed. And the enemy can use that vulnerability as a roadblock to keep you from growing in God. Because seasons, they change. Don't lose sight of who God has called you to be in that season that you don't forget that it is just a season. God is trying to work something through you in that season To get you to another season. And that's why your identity has to be found in him and not the season. Because they will constantly change. Seasons will constantly change. Your identity has to be found in Christ, not the season. Because when the season changes, you can't just say, I'm stuck in the season. This is me. No, no, no. Now I have to change with the season. But if your identity is not in Christ, you always get stuck in past seasons. There's people that I know that's still living from hurts and rejection for things that happened 10, 15 years ago. First thing they talk about when you talk to them, like, bro, that happened 10, 15 years ago. That's, that is, whatever you're talking about doesn't even exist anymore, but they can't get past those seasons because they're so stuck in that. And their identity is caught in past seasons because the enemy uses your vulnerability in seasons. Don't let them do it to you. You know, there was a season in my life where I was a baseball player. And I identified as a baseball player. And the more uh, I grew in my skill in baseball, and the better I got, and the more people knew that I played baseball, it became common that when, they saw, when people saw me, they just said, oh, how's baseball going? Like, they didn't care about anything else in my life. I was just the baseball player. But what happened to my identity was this, is that I stopped caring about everything else. And I started identifying as the baseball player. So school was never really hard for me, but because I cared about baseball, my identity was that I stopped caring about school. Everything else in my life, it seemed like was going down, but baseball was the one thing that was always the shining light because my identity was solely found in that. Well, guess what? I'm not in that season anymore. So I can't say, well, I'm the baseball player. That's been 20 years ago. I'm not a baseball player, but what if you, what if I was a pastor, but I'm still chasing baseball dreams? How would that be for you guys? Like, Pastor, that season is over. <laughs> it's time to move on. You, you, you had a great run, but, it, but, it, but, but what happens is I could have gotten so caught up in, but people recognized me and people knew who I was, and I had articles about me because back then the paper was big. You get your name in the paper, that was huge. And, and they had art. Do you know? Oh, I did awesome things, and this is the season. No, that season is gone, it's, gone. it's past. It was great, I love that season, but that season is over. And it's funny, since we moved back to Mobile, every time I meet someone from tomorrow's past, the first thing they always say, oh, she was a great dancer. Oh, tomorrow, oh, there's nobody that danced as graceful as tomorrow. And I'm thinking in my mind, okay, well, she's not a dancer anymore. That was in that season. And she told me when she moved to Baton Rouge, nobody knew that she was a dancer. But in Mobile, everybody knew her, as the dancer. So every time she came around, people wanted her to dance. Well, guess what? That season has changed. She's not a dancer anymore. But people still want to identify you with past seasons. That's what you used to do. No, that's what, yes, that was in that season. I'm not that person anymore. But the enemy will use your vulnerability to say, see, people just recognize you for what you used to do. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. So you used to do that. You, you, God used to, you remember what God used you powerfully in that season? Oh, yeah, he did. And now your vulnerability, he's got you. Now you're stuck in seasons. You can't move forward. You stop growing because you're caught in the season that the enemy is using your vulnerability against. So he uses seasons against your vulnerability for your identity. Yeah. That's the first thing. Second thing he uses, your vulnerability against your identity, is assignments. Mm-hmm. So seasons change. But assignments change also. There's so many things that you could do for God, but they constantly change. God would not always call you to do the same thing in every season. But the greatest example of a person that fulfilled every assignment is Jesus. He fulfilled every assignment that God has called him to accomplish. And he did it with excellence and with great joy. And I love this passage in John chapter 17, verse 1 through 5. It says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son and give him glory back to you, for you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to the one you have given him, and this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only one true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared together before the world began. Jesus knew that he was about to accomplish the greatest assignment of his life. But notice what Jesus did not say. God, you know all these people that's following me around? Everywhere that I go, thousands and thousands of people are following me to hear me speak. Can we do this a little bit longer? Can can I reach, can I just reach a few more thousands of people? Because you see all these people that are following to hear my voice and hear my word. That's what we do. We try to hold on to assignments. But Jesus said, no, I'll let go of that assignment because I want to do everything that you've accomplished, and you call me to do. So if you call me to a new assignment, guess what? I'm going to fulfill that assignment. I'm not stuck to this one thing. But we could get stuck to one thing. No, this is what I do. This is my sole assignment. There's not one of the sole assignment that God has called any of us to. I've had so many assignments in the church. I remember when I first started up, I used to help. Uh, when we, that's, we used to pray for people at the altar. I used to help catch people when they fall. I used to help set up chairs. I used to help be an usher in security. I've helped set up and tear down. I've been a pastor in the church. I've, I've done so many different assignments in the church that they've always changed. That it's like, I'm not fixed on doing one thing because I know my assignment will constantly change. But the enemy will play on your vulnerability to say when assignments change, oh, they don't want you to do that anymore. They don't trust you. Why don't they ask you to do that anymore? You used to do this. Why don't you do that? And Vulnerability. Now your identity is taking a hit. And he plays on that. And now you, oh, I can't let go of this assignment. They trying to give it to the young people. They trying to give it to someone mature they just think because I hadn't been saved long enough, I can't do this. And the enemy plays on our vulnerabilities. John chapter 19 verse 10. Jesus was confident in his assignment and he knew that nothing was going to stop him from fulfilling everything that God had called him to do. John chapter 19 verse 10. Why did, this is when Pilate, this is the part of the story when Uh, they arrested Jesus, and Pilate is bringing him back for questioning. And Pilate is trying to help Jesus and get him off. And then Pilate says this, Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. So what is Jesus saying in this moment? You have no authority over this assignment that I'm on right now. You think you have power that you can stop this, but you really can't because the only way that you could is the power was given you from above. And I know it's not, so you can't stop this. So I'm confident in the assignment that God has given me, and nothing's going to stop that. Yeah. That's what Jesus was saying. Yeah. And we have to be about that on every assignment that God has given us. Devil, I'm not going to let you lie to me yeah. to keep me from the assignment that God has for me. And when the assignment's changed, guess what? I'm going to go to the next one. Yeah. I'm not just gonna stay in, and stuck in this one place where this is the only thing that I can. No, no, no. There's more assignments to be had. There's more assignments to be fulfilled. We can't just get stuck in that one thing because Jesus didn't. If anybody could, he could. Don't you see all these people follow me? You wanna give, you want me to give all this up? He said, okay, well, let's do it. What's, what's, what's next? So he plays at our vulnerability and our assignment, and this is the last thing we're gonna close with this today. He plays with our vulnerability and our uh, identity in growth, in growth. The enemy plays in your vulnerability and growth when you first get saved and when you've been saved a long time. Because when you first get saved, he plays with your vulnerability and growth because it's hard. Because now you've been living your life your whole way for however long it's been, and now you're trying to change. That's hard. And he plays with your vulnerability. See, it shouldn't be this hard. Serving God shouldn't be this hard. And then when you first get saved, it discourages you. So, I mean, I got to change the the things that I say and the places that I go and the things that I do. And and he plays on your vulnerability. But then when you get older, he plays on you and says, well, I've been there, done that. And you stop growing. Because when you get older, you say things like this. Oh, I don't want to start over again. I've done this before. I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt and then the bag. And we start, there's nothing else for me to do. I've done it all. And you find yourself in a place where you stop growing. And the enemy plays on your vulnerability when you stop growing. Growth happens in the most difficult areas of your life. And God wants to change your perspective and mindsets, but he does that through growth. And sometimes it's very painful. But the enemy plays on your vulnerability to say, you don't need to grow. It's too painful. And you say, oh, it is painful, it is hard, so let me just stop. I felt better before all this happened. Life was better, I'm trying to pursue God, but it seemed like it's keep getting harder. That's because God's trying to grow you, and it's painful. And if it was easy, it would be easy, but hey, guess what, you don't know this way. The way that God has set before you, none of us know, and that's why it's difficult and it could be painful to grow, because we don't know the way. It would be easy if you knew the way, but you don't. That's why growth is painful because it's stretching you and it's challenging you and it's pushing on everything that you thought you knew. God is saying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to scrap down all those perspectives, all those mindsets. I'm trying to change all of that. And you're saying, and you holding on, fighting tooth and nail. I'm not letting go of this attitude. I'm not letting go of this perspective. This is just who I am. And the enemy plays on your vulnerability and you stop growing. This is just who I am. Stop growing. There was this lady that tomorrow and I know. She did some awesome things for God. And then the more that she got in age, and and she's not even old, but the older that she got, she felt like, my time has gone. This is the season for the next generation. So I'll start praying for all the younger ladies, because this is their time. My time has gone by. And she said that the enemy started playing with her and her vulnerability in that season where she felt like I'm useless to God. There's nothing more for me to do. I've done it all. My time, the best time, years of my life have have gone by. But she said one day she was just miserable and just, I'm tired of feeling like this. I know God has called me to more. So she said the one thing that people don't like to hear or like to say. She said, you know what I did? I started over. I just, I said, you know what? I'm just going to start over. I've experienced all these things that God, I'm just going to start over. So how does she start over? She just said, I'm going to start greeting in church. She just started greeting at the door. Start passing out handouts. Start greeting at the door. And then from there, she said, you know what? I'm going to serve the younger women of this generation. So the new, next generation of leaders in church, I'm going to start serving them. And she started serving their vision. And guess what? Before you knew it, her influence has grown, grown so much now in the church where people are starting sending ladies to her and say, you need to be mentored by her. And she got her and her husband, a powerful couple, and they even at one point got to work under Tomorrow Tomorrow ministry, and we got to grow this beautiful bond with them and learn so much from them, but they never got to the place where they felt like, I need to stop growing. Even when I feel like there's nothing else for me to do, this is the greatest place for me to say, you know what, this is time for me to grow. When you feel like you've done it all, when you feel like there's nothing else for you to do, that's a great place for God to say, I'm trying to grow you. Where can I grow in this area? Because you get to the place, when you start saying things like, there's nothing else for me to do, i have I done it all? That means you stop growing and you stop progressing in your relationship with God. And the enemy will play on your vulnerabilities and tell you, there's nothing else for you to do. You might as well pack it up and go home. He doesn't play fair. He plays on those vulnerabilities. But God constantly wants you to grow. He wants you to grow and grow. And and to continually have an open heart that says, God, I'm open to do changes. If that means starting over and doing something new, then I'm willing to do that. Because growth says, as a heart that says yes. Growth says, whatever you want me to do, I say yes. Yes. Have I ever done this before? No, but I'll figure it out. I'm just saying yes. And when you have a heart that says yes, God says, that's a person that says they're willing to grow. I can use that person. And he wants to use a person with a heart that says yes. But the enemy wants to play on your vulnerability and say they don't value you. Cause you look, they trying to get you to do this stuff. That's beneath you. That's beneath your calling. Vulnerability. Watch out. He's gonna play on your identity, and then you stop growing, and now you're bitter, and now you're upset. You're looking for something else to do because you feel like there's nothing else for me to do here. Because you stop growing and stop progressing. You know, giving your heart and giving your life to God are two different things. You could give your heart to God, but still live your life any way that you want to live it. I can say, God, I give you my heart, but I can still continue to go on and live my life any way that I want to. But when I say that I'm going to pursue growth, I say, God, I give you my life, because I don't know this way. God, I, I I don't know this way, so I give you my life. Not only do I give you my heart, but I give you my life because I don't know the path that you have for me. I don't know this way. For me, I can't figure it out, so I just give you my life. And I say, just take control. Just, I just surrender. When we have water baptism today, what does water baptism re- represent? It represents a phys- like the, the natural decision to say, God, I surrender my life to you. I surrender. God, I, I, I want to grow. So if I want to grow, that means i got to surrender my life. Yeah. i got to surrender my will. I got to surrender my titles, my everything. I have to surrender it all because I want to grow. So I give you my life. I want to close with this verse and then we'll pray. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Clear as day. You cling to your life, you will lose it. If you give up your life for me, you will find it. There's life for each and every person in this room. You watching online, God has life for each and every one of you. There's a life worth living. There's a life full of purpose. There's a life of adventure that God has for each and every one of us. He's just willing for us to say, just let go of your life. Just surrender your life because I want to give you life. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the word that went forth today. That any of us that have been battling with our identity, I thank you right now, Lord God, that by the by the power of the Holy Spirit that you're coming in right now and speaking clearly to our hearts. That, Lord, that we would no longer battle in those areas. That we would surrender our lives to freely lay down to say, Lord, that I will continue to grow. That, Lord, that no longer that, well, I will allow seasons to keep me back and to hold me back from pursuing you. No longer will I let assignments keep me back. No longer will I allow all the attacks of the enemy and not growing keep me back from you, Lord God. But I surrender it all. I lay it all down right now that you would change my perspective, that you would change my mindset, that you would change my attitude, that you would change my ways, that you would change my life, Lord God, that I surrender it all and I let, let go of control right now. You know, the big problem is we don't wanna let go of control. We want to dictate and control everything, but God says you got to let it go. So, God, we let go of control right now. Anything that would hinder us and hold us back from you, we surrender it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to just ask you just to keep your head bowed and your eye closed. I'm just want to give one more prayer. That's for anyone in the room or watching online that you want to surrender your life to God. We talked about laying down your life, but you realize I've never made the decision to lay down my life. And I want to give you that opportunity today. With no one looking around, not trying to embarrass anyone, this is just between you and God. If you want to come into right relationship with God and you're in the room today, I just want you to lift your hand just to acknowledge to God. Just lift your hand in this moment if you want to receive God as your Lord and Savior and lay down your life to Him today. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart and just repeat this after me to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. I willingly lay down my life right now, and I give it to you. Lord, take control. Have your way of every area of my life. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. And if you prayed that prayer, if you're in the building, uh, in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. On the back, it says, I made a decision. Fill that out. Drop it in the offering bucket on the way out. We love to connect with you. And if you're online, uh, just drop in the comment section what God did in your heart. We'd love to reach out to you as well. Come on, let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision to follow Christ. Man, don't let the enemy keep you in an identity crisis. Your identity is solely found in God, and God alone. Amen? Amen. Well, this is Baptism Sunday. I'm so excited about this. So if you are prepared to get baptized today, we're going to ask you just to go ahead and make your way to the back. You can follow Miss Tawana. She's going to uh, show you which way to go. We're going to get you guys set up for that, and we're going to have a good time, a celebration of baptisms in just a few moments. Amen? Y'all give them a hand clap as they make their way out. And before we close, we're going to dedicate the tithe. Uh, for today. So if you're prepared to give online, there's a couple ways that you could do that. You could go on our website, which is newlifemobile.org. You could go there on our homepage. There's a tab that says give, or you could download our app, uh, and you can give on our app as well. But let's pray for the tithe, and then you guys are dismissed. Lord, I thank you for the tithe. I thank you that everything that you've given today, Lord God, that it would be blessed. I thank you right now That, Lord God, that you would bless each and every person here, that there's no lack. I thank you that you meet in all their needs, that they have more than enough. We thank you for the time that's coming in today. Bless it today. Multiply it. Stretch it, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. Again, there's no first Wednesday, no prayer this Wednesday, but we'd love to invite you to join worship with us next Sunday. Y'all have a great Sunday. We love y'all. Amen. Amen. Well, let's give God another hand clap of praise. Isn't he so awesome? All right, guys. Well, if you can hang tight for just a few more seconds. We're actually getting ready to go to, um, we're going to have our baptism service. But what I want to do is invite you guys to fill these front rows. The kids are coming up in a minute. They made banners for them to be baptized. We're actually going to just have a good time. But just a quick reminder to you guys, um, if you're interested in helping out with kids camp, that's gonna happen on uh, June 13th through the 17th all right in the back you can sign up for that if you want to sponsor if you want to say hey I'll do a meal hey I'll just want to sponsor a kid or you want to volunteer throughout the week you can do that you'll sign